Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. How coaching comes in, I think of it as as forward thinking. Like, what are the action? Okay, this may have gone on with you in the past, but like, here's your current situation. Here's what you're going through. Here's what you want to achieve in developing a plan together. That's forward thinking. In the Women Who Code Career Nav segment of our show, you'll hear real world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry and personally know the steps needed to succeed. Well, hi, Women Who Code. Um, I'm Noelle Noterman. I am a senior engineer and I work at uh, Target headquarters in the United States. And I'm so excited to talk today with Sarah Ng. Sarah has a really interesting background and she's going to tell us all about it, um, how she got from where she started to where she is today as an entrepreneur and a co-founder, as a coach for women in tech. She also has a background as an engineer and an engineering manager. Um, So Sarah Ng specializes particularly in DEI advocacy and uh, building trust through organizational changes. And I love this part, Sarah. It says in, in her spare time, she interviews strangers. I can relate to that um, about heartbreak and also dances awkwardly in hip hop classes. So thanks so much for, for joining us today. And um, is there anything else you want to add to, to your bio, to your background that we should know about you? I would say that dancing awkwardly is probably the main thing that I do. Like that's just (laughs) (laughs) my main pastime. So if you see me doing that, you'll be like, yeah, that's very accurate. How did you get interested in hip hop dancing? Ooh, I wish it had been something that like I learned at an early age. I did ballet, but my mom didn't have exposure to hip hop dance or hip hop music really. Uh, so it wasn't until like maybe 21, I just saw, I think it was like Honey with Jessica Alba. I probably was not 21 actually, considering <laughs> the math right now, but I saw that and I was like, it's so cool. Or maybe it was Save the Last Dance, just watching these dance movies and realized I want to be brave and try something new and dance in front of people. And so I did it and it's super embarrassing, but it's really, it's too fun to not do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I remember when I first explored like Zumba classes, when those were huge and popular and I thought, oh, these are my people. Like we can just get sweaty and move around together and there's no judgment, which I love. <laughs> I appreciate Yeah, that. my people. That's, that's a good call out. <laughs> and then I know you mentioned this, but I have an engineering background and I actually career changed and I'm sure we'll get into it, but that all started because of Women Who Code. I was lured in by this event that had free pizza at the Nike campus. It's like one of the first women who code events in Portland. And that's how I learned about coding. Uh, So it's coming full circle. Yeah, but you definitely didn't start there because I know your background in college Mm -hmm. was as an English major. um, And then you worked as a writer for a while. Can you talk uh, talk to us a little bit about those those years of your life? Yeah, Uh, let's see. I started as a business major first and it was just because my dad told me to. He's like, I got an MBA. You should do this. And I had no interest in it. And I realized the classes that I really was like paying attention to and engrossed, those were the English classes. And I just started taking more and more of them. And I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't have a plan for the future, really, of what that was going to look like. I wasn't like, there's this pressing idea that I want to write a novel about. Just I wanted, I loved words and I loved stories that people were telling and how they were saying it. So I pursued writing after that. And that was really as a vessel for interviewing people and getting to ask them a million questions. I know you can relate. 
Um, and so like I interviewed people, let's see, like a, sh a cook on National Geographic expeditions. I interviewed an Olympian who played a cricket in Circus Soleil. I got to ask all sorts of interesting people questions and travel around. I was doing that in Australia, the United States. I think that's great when you are in the position of a host or interviewer. You kind of have this, what's the right word? I don't know, almost carte blanche, almost not quite to say like, yeah. you're going to answer my question. <laughs> it's it's the closest you get to be, I don't know, to sort of get inside of people and ask those things and see what they say. I love it. Um, and yeah, then definitely. You, you mentioned sort of, you know, that you did make this career transition. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about how that came about, how, how the idea came and then sort of the execution as well? Yeah, so... I didn't go straight from English major to writing to software engineering. It wasn't that linear. And I was going to say, I wish it was, but actually I, I really liked the way it happened. Honestly, I was doing a lot of working and then I would quit my job and then I'd have a little bit of savings, which at that time felt like so much. And I'd be like, right, I'm going to go travel the world. So at one point I went on the working holiday visa to Australia and went there and made cupcakes and worked at a scuba dive resort uh, for eight months. And then I came back and it's like, I, I don't know what I want to do. I worked as a virtual receptionist. And then I went off to Europe. I went to Southeast Asia. So I did a lot of travel. That was like the main thing that I wanted to do in my early 20s. And then a couple of years went by of doing that. Honestly, my parents were starting to get worried, but they're like, okay, you're still young. <laughs> and then and then my roommate, actually, she was taking a coding boot camp, and she, she, I was asking her about it, and she's like, "Do you want to just sit down after dinner, and see like what coding is all about?" And I didn't. I thought it was like for smart people, for smart guys specifically, um, who were good at math and science. Very stereotypical. I will just can't say upfront right now that is not the truth. Anyone can learn how to code, uh, but that's what I thought. And so getting introduced to it by her like we sat at the dinner table and she showed me html and like how to change the font how to make it bold it was as simple as that and i was like oh this is kind of cool and she's doing it so let me see what my options are of like how to learn and at that time i wanted to get out of um the state that i was living in in oregon and so i went to chicago went to a coding boot camp and then that's how i was able to switch and when you switched into tech, was your um, your focus was front end mostly, or did you do a little bit of everything? Everything, full stack. So I learned Ruby and then JavaScript. And at that time, I didn't know what I wanted to specialize in. Actually, I think I remember going to my first developer conference that year, and I said back end, and someone was like, "Wow, okay, like that's unconventional," which it is or it isn't. Um, I know you're you're actually back end. Mm -hmm. Uh, but at that time, I, I was like, I just don't know enough to specialize. So I went into um, a junior software role for a year and a half and did that as full stack. That's great. I love um, uh, this idea that you kind of actually said it when you're talking about your college studies with the MBA classes. I have always found that there's a lot of value in also learning what you don't enjoy. <laughs> you know, we we focus so much on what do I love? What do I want? And mm -hmm. I just think we gain so much when we learn that's not for me. That that aspect of it, whether that's where you're going to specialize in tech, or whether that's what you're going to major in in college, or whether that's you know this person that I met that is not what's going to be my path. <laughs> we learn totally. a lot from those things. So that's yeah, cool that you us, kind of found that it gives us more insight into what we like, what resonates, and helps create focus. I think I think it's just as helpful of an exercise of 
what do I love? That can also almost be like too daunting. Yeah, totally. Um, in your transition or maybe earlier in your career, were there any challenges that you faced that, um, that we could learn from as well? Definitely. I, so that show Silicon Valley, uh, on HBO, I, that was my first junior dev job and the culture, maybe even, even more so like the typical tech companies with like the beer pong and just chaos, I would say. I didn't, I thought that was what tech was, was, and would always be as an industry. And now having been in like the industry for eight years and worked at a number of different companies, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. In fact, it was the only company that was um, that type of culture. And so I think for me, it was learning after that experience of what fits for me culture-wise in terms of the learning culture and environment that supports diversity and setting boundaries on like what I, what I like in a workplace and in terms of like work-life balance as well. So you talked a little bit about setting boundaries and I will mm-hmm. say that as a woman in particular, I love this concept. I think that we don't learn it enough as women. Um, we don't embrace it enough. I think we, mm-hmm. we talk about it when we get to like the hard stop like, you know, the thing, whatever it is, has gone way, 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 way too far. At least this is my yeah. experience. So I shouldn't project mm-hmm. onto you. Um, but it sort of ties into to what we talked about before about sort of learning your fit and learning what, what you want, learning what you don't like, what's not okay. Okay, that crossed a line mm-hmm. for me, the culture there, that interaction there. And then we we gain the experience to sort of set those boundaries closer to home. Right. This is mm-hmm. where I, I I want to be and want to live. And I know that part of your work is advocacy, self-advocacy, or maybe advocacy for others. And so how, how did you sort of translate your experiences of receiving an environment and sort of change that into advocating for an environment or advocating for maybe what you wanted when you were a leader and things like that? Yeah, I've always been passionate about giving back in terms of I believe anyone can learn how to code and there are a lot of underrepresented groups that could benefit from just hearing that and so in addition to like throughout my career of helping people learn technical skills it was also another thing came out of how do I speak up in the workplace about hey this person's speaking over me in meetings or how do I speak about wanting leadership opportunities or how do I advocate for a promotion getting a raise, getting paid more, having those uncomfortable conversations and teaching advocacy. So specifically like how to advocate for yourself and speak up about those things that felt just as important as learning the technical skills. And Mm. in some ways, like not speaking up, especially I could say in my personal experience, it held me back early on in my career. And I would do things where I I would have like take on more responsibilities, or I wouldn't speak up about things that were uncomfortable for me, or I would let someone else take my ideas and being more vocal about those things across the board was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's part of the reason why it's just as important, like when I coach or when I managed a team of engineers, that would come up so much about how to communicate those things, assuring people that it's going to be okay. Maybe the other person will be upset, but that's a separate, separate thing. Like that's not on you and, and how to like 
build a sustainable career in tech. Because I think, like you said, that um, waiting till it's too late to speak up about these things that can lead to burnout or can lead to burnout and so many other things, but trying to nip that in the bud and speak about it earlier. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, talking, kind of tying this into career transitions as well, um, at least in my experience and, and the groups that I've, I've worked with in Women Who Code and others, there are people who are sort of breaking into tech, um, maybe as a career change, or maybe it's just as an, an early professional. And sometimes I think, again, especially for women, or at least in the environments that I've been in, there's this idea that they have to be grateful right? You got, mm -hmm. you got the job. Mm -hmm. You should be grateful for that. And so yeah. if that's the mentality that, that we hold, if that's the singular mentality we hold, setting those boundaries and advocating can feel challenging, um, especially yeah. if there's not a system designed for that. Um, and so I don't know if, if we could maybe speak to those women who might be listening, who are just breaking in or just started and, um, have maybe been imbued with this, um, this grateful again, you can have both. You can be grateful and advocate. Maybe that's a, a spoiler for your answer, mm -hmm. but, <laughs> but maybe we can speak to those listeners. Yeah. I was just speaking to someone yesterday actually about, um, who is a woman in engineering and also a person of color. And we were talking about the immigrant mentality of like our parents coming over to the United States and saying, be grateful. Like you, you should just accept everything that you're given because you'll never know when it's getting taken away from you. Like her parents in that case had been through a war and had that perspective. It was very valid, like why they felt that way. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that way in the workplace. And certainly you can, like you said, you can be grateful and speak up for things. I think in a lot of ways, it's actually like showing that gratitude because you want to continue at that workplace, you believe that it could be better. That's why you're speaking up about things. So it's a way of saying, I want to speak up about these things because these are the things that are making me uncomfortable or things that could be changed, but I want to make it better. And I care enough to say these things. And I, I think actually including that in the conversation is really helpful too, uh, to, to say that with an employer, to your boss, to be like, we're on the same side. We want the same kind of outcome. Let's work together to do it. I love that reframe that it's it's a sign of engagement. It's a sign of passion. Yes. It's, a, it's yeah. a sign of commitment. I care about this place. I want to be here. And so I want to help make it better. I love that. I'm going I'm to use that. Because <laughs> I think if, if we were hopeless, it, we would just kind of silently resign. Mm -hmm. when, you, um, when you were working as an engineering manager, were there things that you did to create a culture that could receive that feedback? So now let, let's talk to the 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 leadership that might be listening, what are things that people should be doing to, to make it easier for those types of conversations to happen? Yeah, I think a lot of it is inclusivity and thinking about the spaces of how do we build that trust? How do we have avenues where different types of personalities can speak and make sure that all of those voices have a, have a space, like not just one voice, the loudest voice is taking up the most, most space. What that actually concrete, concretely looks like is so when I was a manager, I would have listening circles. So there, we went through a reorg and then we went through layoffs and then we went through a new CEO. There are a lot of changes and it. During each of those changes, I had a circle, which was just my team. The idea of it being small enough where people could, enough people could speak and share their opinions and it felt safe because it was just with me as their manager. And I really believe in transparency. Transparency, 
where it's not distracting. It's just the amount of information that you need to like, um, that someone needs to like do their job and also trust like why decisions are being made, like providing context. Uh, so it was providing those avenues where people could speak and then giving them um, information about why those decisions were being made. And so I think that's really important as a, from leadership to listen. Mm. I, I think when I think of new leaders that have come on and they've done listening circles, rather than being prescriptive and been like, these are the things we're gonna change these right now. Like it's just been way more effective when you listen first and find out the actual problems done when you use your research and it shows that you care and you wanna build rapport. So I would say that's one of the biggest things. Yeah, that's great. I, my, a previous employer, we had a running joke that whenever there was a new leader that came in, then there would just be these top-down changes. Oh, now we're this type of organization. Okay, and then yeah. we would all just wait for that leader to move on. <laughs> and then there would be a new one and we just get the next, you know, one. The next one with, so sort of their, their impact, just bringing their change. And, and I think you're right. I think there were very few and far between, if any at all, that, um, that stopped first and listened and said, Hey, where, yeah. where, where are you all at? What's, what's going on here? Um, and that's a really powerful, um, and maybe vulnerable, maybe a humbling thing to do, but definitely mm -hmm. builds trust. So I, I see what you're saying there. Thanks for sharing that. And hopefully leaders who are listening will take that to heart as well. Yeah. And I think also recognizing there are multiple ways that people there are different ways people feel comfortable sharing feedback. And so that could be in one-on-ones. And so asking illuminating questions to kind of draw that out of people. Mm. It could be a survey. It could be uh, like skip levels. Maybe they have a problem with their manager. Um, maybe it's Slack messaging, but finding out, I mean, everybody has opinions and finding out this a safe way to do that for people where they, they're not in fear of repercussions and believe that people care enough to, to want to make the change and listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then following through, right? I mean, because we need to see, yes. we heard you, Actual. here's what Not happened, lip service. right? Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to hold ourselves accountable, or you can help us be accountable. I think, yeah, yeah it sounds like a good game plan to me. <laughs> and also when to expect the decision by, or we don't know yet, but we're going to make this next step by this date. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. So we talked about your your life within an organization, um, but then you made the decision, or maybe I understand you kind of have been doing it all along to become an entrepreneur, to, to, to do your own thing. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so I started doing that oof, two years ago. So two years ago, I started coaching and that was on the side and that's specifically for women in tech. And it was kind of the best parts of being a manager. Like I loved having my one-on-ones and helping people further their careers and really like problem solve the human part of it. So I, I ended up like having people reach out to me and kind of serendipitously started working with, with some clients. And then it ended up becoming more than, uh, more than I wanted to balance with a full-time job. So that's why I decided to pursue it uh, full-time. And it's just like the best most energizing parts, even as an introvert, it's the best. I just feel like it's just so fitting for my personality and skill set. And so I decided to, to leave Spice, uh, leave engineering management. And then also, uh, let's see, a month ago, I moved to London. Well, sorry, um, nine months ago, I moved to London, but I started a program. I got into a startup incubator and received a fellowship to found a company, I received pre-seed funding. And so I essentially like thinking of ideas for six months around financial resilience, specifically um, around women and the workplace. 
Oh, okay. So, so not tech specifically. This is, did I hear it correct that you're, yeah, talk more. I'm interested to hear more about this idea. Sure. Sure. So the, it's a, um, a socially minded venture builder. So the mission is helping financial resilience in some way. And what, what I'm currently working on is like an, an AI tool, an AI ally that helps women in the workplace have the uncomfortable conversations. So like I said before, like negotiation, if it could pull in data and say, right, okay, this is the market rate for like a senior software engineer and I'm getting paid 20,000 less. And here's my business, like my impact to the business recently, my contributions, helping practice those conversations and also give like a running script with feedback. And that's currently what I'm working on. So yes, it's, it is technical. Like I'm okay. taking on a CTO role. Nice. That's really exciting. I'm excited for that myself. I look forward to, <laughs> to seeing what comes. That's a really cool tool because how often have we all been in that situation? I mean, I, I assume others have had something like this where you're like, oh, if I wish I could just rubber duck this, right? Basically, right? I could talk this out rubber with ducking. someone. Yeah. yeah, but but now the rubber duck has a little bit of data and a little bit of suggestion for me um, to kind of guide me along the way and, and how to leverage AI is, is really powerful. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I'm excited for, for that to grow and see what is the name of that, if it has a name yet or that we should look yeah. for. Yeah, it's called Onwards. Onwards. Okay, great. So we'll be on the lookout for, for Onwards. Please. Um, well, I wanted to ask a little bit about coaching because you've got, you've got a lot going on, but you've got this coaching business now. Um, I think as women in tech, we hear a lot, oh, you've got to have a mentor, right? That was the language mm. for a long time. And women were yes. really like, over-mentored, lots and lots of mentors. And then there was the, no, you have to have a sponsor. And the sponsor was kind of mm. different. And then, then there was the board of directors and all these different things. So um, could you maybe uh, narrow in on coaching a little bit for us and what value that can have and, and what's, what's unique about that? Sure. Yeah, I remember so much at the start of my career, you just reminded me where people are like, you need a mentor, like find that person. Or, I mean, I, I still believe this, you need someone to advocate for you when you're not in the room, especially as women in tech, um, to advocate for that promotion. But how coaching comes in, I think of it as, as forward thinking, like what are the action? Okay, this may have gone on with you in the past, but like, here's your current situation here's what you're going through, here's what you want to achieve and developing a plan together that's forward thinking. It challenges some of the patterns that, that um, I, for example, I'll say me, I may have had in the past and, and get really curious and inquisitive about those things and say, what about like the other possibilities? Like what else could happen? Where do I want to get to? And getting really clear about what those could be. So I'll talk about, maybe give it some examples yeah, of clients you. that I work with. Yeah. Um, so I've had people who are, one, looking to get into the industry, uh, whether it's just tech in general or looking to get into software engineering. Also career changers, so someone who is in marketing and is like, okay, I just experienced a layoff. I, I now have all this time. I have like a three-month safety net of from the severance, but I'm not sure where my skills would fit in for a next role. And also I'm not really sure what I want to do. And so we've done a lot of career exploration around, okay, let's find like the most interesting job descriptions like out there. What's like energizing about this? And then finding like common themes and then getting strategic about, okay, how does your resume then match that your story that you're telling like to, to interviewees 
interviewers, excuse me, and, and figuring out like, how do we implement this and create an action plan? And a lot of it is accountability and support. Someone who holds space and is like, I got you. I know the destination that we're going towards. We can explore anything along the way, but we're moving and making progress towards this and, and illuminating the things that come up. Everyone needs a coach. I want a coach. <laughs> we all need a coach. <laughs> I have someone a coach. Who's, <laughs> someone yeah. who's in your corner. Yeah. And is kind of that little person on your shoulder. Like, yep, you're mm-hmm. on there. This is what we said. Remember, we said you're going to speak up in that meeting. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and take that step. That's awesome. I love to hear that. Um, I I'm curious, you, you know, I know you specialize working with women in tech, um, and you've mentioned a couple of different scenarios mm-hmm. are there. Think about how I want to ask this. Is there, uh, are there common themes about sort of the issues that women yeah. face in tech that you've seen? hundred percent burnout. is a huge one. That's probably isn't surprising to you. It's, um, it's burnout in a couple of different ways. There's ways of, I, I don't know how to ask my boss for a raise. I'm feeling undervalued. Mm-hmm. My boss might get upset with me. They've been emotional in the past. How do I speak up about these things? What do I even say? I've never been through this before. I've been working at this role and I, I'm not feeling seen. How, how do I advocate for myself? How do I create a voice for myself? How do I get more allies on my team, on my side? And so there's a lot of stress and and then burnout, I think, is like the end results of like feeling like it's futile, kind of hopeless. And also overworking, I think, especially in remote times of, okay, I'm always working and also missing that human connection, which I think can be so cathartic sometimes where you're like, hey, I just want to talk about this bug that I'm trying to solve. And like, can you swing over, swing your desk chair over and like, let's solve this together versus scheduling a Zoom call and reaching out to that senior engineer and asking for their time. It's way scarier to do that. Mm. Um, And I will say there's some, there's a lot of career exploration that I've been seeing, especially right now of um, people interested in, do I want to do a side hustle? Do I want to have my own business? What else is out there besides tech or within tech? But what can I create besides just like working for my employer? Now that we've looked at the challenges and the themes, if you had a magic wand, and you could do one thing to make this path easier for women in tech. What would you do? Like, what would you change or what? Well, it's a hard question. <laughs> hmm. I think it's creating an environment where women aren't underestimated. Ooh. Because I think that's so much of it is, is a woman like, how many women have experiences? I, I know I have is like voicing a solution or a suggestion in, in a meeting. And then like a male voice says it, and then everybody chimes in and is like, Oh, that's a great idea. And I just, I just feel like if it was just equal footing or mm. it was just more realistic. Um, I, I just think we would, that would be half the battle. Yeah. And I'm so grateful, Sarah, that you waved your magic wand to change the environment instead mm. of waving it to change women. Like, instead of saying, if women just had more confidence and just put it out there, you know, that kind of, 
you know, because I think for years and years, um, that's been the messaging, right? Ladies yeah. lean in, ladies do, do more, yeah. do more, right. You know, do your job. You're and not do doing it right. Exactly. And the, the yeah. contradictory, you know, feedback and all of those things that women have heard, are heard. And, you know, I, I, I just wish it would be more obvious that if we're always pointing to the person, mm. that's mm. probably a red flag <laughs> that, you know, we maybe should be looking at the environment here, right? If, and you kind of said it, yeah. could, it could it just be a level playing field? Could it just be, um, could women not be underestimated in the workplace? I think that's really powerful. So thanks for sharing that. And I'll put in a plug for Sarah Cooper. Do you know Sarah Cooper? Um, who's a comedian and blogger and, mm. comedian and an mm-hmm. author. She's a, an ex-techie, ex-Yahoo, ex-Google. And she's it's it's mm-hmm. satire and it's comedy. If anybody wants to look up the Cooper Report, Sarah Cooper, she's got a book. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, okay. How to succeed uh, in business well. without hurting yeah. men's feelings. And she's got all these memes. Yeah. Anyway, it's funny if anyone has time to look up the words, if they're said by a female versus a they're said by a male and how they're received. And um, if you want to laugh and, and cry into your morning beverage, you can look it up. So relatable. That's a work day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I am curious, I, in, I've read some of your things and looked at your website and other things, and you kind of use this term reinvention right? When you talk about, um, career transitions and maybe it's connected to your coaching. And certainly it sounds like you've done it in your life many times. Um, it's such a powerful word and I love it. And I'm, I know you're a word person. So what does that word mean to you? And why did you land on that word? That's such a wonderful question. Reinvention to me, is so resonant. Like you said, it's, it's been a personal ethos of mine frankly, like I get a little bored if I stay in one place for a long time and, and a career. And thankfully, like with engineering, it changes so much. You can change industries. You can change from full stack to front end, which is what I did. And then, and then to management. So it, there were a lot of opportunities and then coaching. So there were so many avenues. And I, I think reinvention is always learning. And like you're backing yourself to say, Hey, I believe that I can do this. I have a growth mindset. I can try things. Anything that's like led by curiosity, uh, it's possible. And so for me, what that looked like was, oh, I've lived in Australia. I've lived in the UK. I've done, I've learned how to scuba dive and thought that I wanted to travel around the world and teach scuba diving at one point. Um, I was making cupcakes. I was traveling to music festivals, hippie, like uh, making dumplings in the, all over the UK <laughs> at one point. Um, just, I, I think I also like made chocolate in, in Austin, Texas on the side when I was like a junior software engineer. And so I just, I just find it really fun. And so the things that I found that generally, I think this is a very general statement, is that people's superpowers are the things that come easily to them and they just think that oh it's so easy like everyone must be able to do it Hmm. and with reflection and also just hearing from other people reinvention isn't something that comes naturally to everyone because you know it's scary there's a lot of inertia people don't necessarily know like what direction they want to go into and so I wanted to help people get started in doing that and creating that journey and having some semblance of an idea of like where they wanted to go. And I just think invention is such a cool word and to do it again and again, 
as a reinvention. It, it just sounded like a fun word. Yeah, I love it. I don't, I'm not remembering the author right now, but there was a, a female author of a career book that I mm. read years back and she talked about, and it's like a popular one, so I should know the title, but she talked about um, when you start a new job or you want to make a career change, just imagine or invent is kind of what I was hearing you say, like the, the yeah. personality that you want um, and just try it on. Like you, like you try on a coat and just put it on and see how it feels and see how it works in this place and see. <laughs> and, yeah. see. and if it doesn't fit, you know, just like we would in a store, try something else, try something else. And it's, it's funny to me because in engineering, that is the heart of what we do. It's iterative right? We do that mm -hmm. all the time. We have these big gnarly problems in engineering and we grab a small trunk and we try something and then we get a friend and we try something else and we do this. But when it comes to ourselves, when someone holds up that mirror, I look at my own life, at least for me, like, yeah, I don't want to change everything. That sounds scary. And yet it's mm. what, it's what we do. It's literally the process we do as engineers to problem solve. Um, and so yeah. I just always, I wish we would just turn it on ourselves. <laughs> um, I think it was, no, I was, we can be iterative. Yeah. And I think of something like, I don't know, you've probably experienced this in your career as well, like rebuilding a code base into a completely different language. And that doesn't happen in a day. And it's super scary and super expensive for the company and can take like a year and a half at least. As in my personal experience, sometimes it doesn't even happen fully, but that is iterative. You're like taking out little blocks by blocks and and testing along the way to see like, does this work? Is this the right decision for me at this point? So mm -hmm. it's kind of like that. I hadn't thought of it like that before, but what yeah. you said made me think of it. Yeah, I just, it always amuses me is not the right word, but it always surprises me when I think in this part of my life, I'm so mm. skilled at it. And in this part of my life, I'm so scared of it. And why, yeah. and how can we, um, yeah bring those closer together, maybe, you know, and say, yeah, I can use those both sides of my brain there and, and make a difference. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about um, the different challenges and um, you, you shared so many experiences that you've done different things at different times in their lives. And I, I'm curious, a very practical, the very practical part of me is, is where do you find the time? <laughs> Where do you find the time to, um, to have a full-time job and have a side hustle or now be an entrepreneur, be in this, um, incubator and then do all these other things. How do you, yeah, how, how are you finding the time for all of this? Yeah, I'm very lucky, very lucky just in general. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is just getting serendipitous opportunities. Mm -hmm. I, I would say they're all around the same thing. So I've been lucky in that. Coaching is for women in tech. And like, as a co-founder, I'm founding a company that centers around helping women in tech in the workplace with things that I work on in coaching, which is negotiation and promotions and boundaries. So they're very intertwined. So everything that I'm doing, like this interview, like is exactly on the topic of both of them. And I, I won't lie, like it's, I, there are a lot of responsibilities. I don't know if I could have a dog right now. I would love to, but <laughs> I think it's just another thing. I There's finite time. And mm -hmm. so, and sometimes it is really hard. Uh, there are times where I, I've been like on the couch after work and uh, my partner and I, I'll just be like, please don't talk to me. I'm having an introvert moment for the rest of the night. Like I just need to be by myself. Mm -hmm. So I think there, there are moments where it definitely gets difficult, but 
having an idea of where I want to go and prioritizing what's the most important thing right now is really helpful and giving myself breaks like permission to go to dance and do other things yeah that's great so let's say you're coaching um I'm just going to make someone up you know okay. could be someone like you know me <laughs> <laughs> um who's interested in sort of leveling up, right? Who says, I, I think I'm interested in this leadership thing, um, but I also am a caretaker at home. I've got a lot of responsibilities there. I've got my full-time mm-hmm. job. I do in fact have a part-time job as well. Um, you know, what What might be the good first steps there, you know, to to just sort of to dig into this idea, this kernel of, of an idea that I want to make this change? Yeah. First, I would ask what leveling up is mm-hmm. and- and why that is, because sometimes there's like a, I should, I should be moving up the ladder. Like I want this prestigious position. And so that is like, go for it if that's what you want. But I think it's just like making sure that that's the right path for everybody. And then in terms of, in terms of balancing other responsibilities, like taking care of children or or, um, elder aging parents, I would say as a, as a manager, I've helped people get promoted. And one of the ways that like we've balanced all of those things is being upfront about, okay, what does support look like to you in work? Do you need a flexible working arrangement? Do you, maybe you'll work like later hours and you need to do daycare at this time, or maybe you'll work like finite hours and that's okay. Or maybe you only want to have meetings like in the morning uh, because like pickup is at a certain time. And that happens. I think being really upfront about those things with your manager as like part of the support team mm-hmm. is really helpful because then it gets them on board. And then also they're not left wondering like, hey, this person has been out. Like, I'm not really sure what when the work is going to get done. Um, so I think being clear about what those needs are and what scheduling is like with those. And also saying like, upfront, I'm interested in leveling up. I'm interested in being promoted to senior, or I would like to be an engineering manager by this point. How do I get there? And I would say that's across the board for anybody who's looking for that, of of saying like, get your manager to be that teammate advocating for you and coming up with those concrete steps with you. Because I think consensus is really important and like a shared understanding of what that could be to get promoted. Because one person could think one thing, hey, I love this project and that should be enough versus like ex- other expectations. And I, I think I think just talking about it, that transparency piece, I think you're so right, is so critical because you won't know the response unless you ask, right? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe the response is, you know, I, we do see that for you, but we're wondering about these certain areas that we haven't seen you do yet. And, and maybe we should work together to find a project that would build your skills in that area or something like that, you know? Um, And so you need that. I think you need that feedback. You need that assessment back so that you it's data, it's data. You have information now and you can Mm -hmm. use it as you choose to make some changes um, or to kind of move forward on that path. Like you said, to, to follow it. Really great. Is there anything that you, that we haven't covered that you want women who code listeners think about to reflect on to feel what 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 should we send their way yeah I would like to reiterate that it's possible if someone's considering becoming going into tech sorry it's so loud I have no idea what's going on like they chose 
I think people are running around in circles. I think there's an improv. That's what's going on. There's an improv session for found goods right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see it. <laughs> I wish I could see it too. <laughs> like any advice and I'm like, I'm watching adults run in circles right now and like do the chicken dance. <laughs> Maybe um, that's the advice. Maybe that's what we should all yeah. be doing. A little Obviously, improv. I've been doing improv and it's, it's really helpful for public speaking and to get more creative <laughs> and get out of your head. I, I love it. Uh, but it is scary. Uh, so I would say that for anyone who's looking to get into tech, whether you're just thinking about it and what it's like, or your early career, like I, I just would really encourage you to consider it. It's really opened up so many opportunities in my life. Learning from our experiences um, early in my engineering career, I, I, bombed a couple of interviews, just really bombed. Oh yeah. Same. <laughs> and, and I learned, I always say I learned so hard from those, meaning like I learned yeah. so much and so many hard lessons and I took them to the next interviews and I was better in those. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of had to go through, through the muck to get, to get clean or whatever the right analogy is to get yeah. better along the way. I think that's great to riff off that. I see like I, I've read I've in Reddits and, and, or alpha, which is sort of like a platform for, for women specifically. I kind of think of it as LinkedIn, uh, but people post and they're like, I really want to get into software engineering or even I'm mid-level. I just had a layoff and I've applied to so many jobs and I haven't heard back, or I didn't do well at this one and I haven't heard back or I have heard back and it's been negative and it's been very disheartening. And so I think to your point, like we have all been there. I really wanted to work at Slack and the New York Times. And I think of them as the, the ones that got away, but it's okay. And, and learning from those experiences and knowing that that's really a shared experience. Interviewing in engineering is so hard and so all over the place and so inconsistent and it is nerve wracking. So many hours and it gets better and you can build off of those experiences. So, so to keep trying, I think persistence is such a big thing as an engineer, when you see a bug and you're dealing with it for, you're like, this is the third day and I'm still dealing with the same bug. I think part of success is being persistent and having, being resilient and learning, using your resources uh, uh, to, to, to move forward. Yeah. And finding friends along the way, right. And finding yeah. your, your people, as I always say, finding your people and they'll, they'll be with you as well. I know that's the work that you do, whether that's a coach who can sort of be in your corner um, or an AI buddy, who's going to talk to you mm -hmm. through that. So I think the work that you're doing yeah. as a coach and as a founder is going to be hugely impactful for, for, for women who code and, and for women in tech. So thank you, Sarah, for that work. And thank I can't wait you. to see what comes from it. Thank you very much. I appreciate you summing it up so well. I just wrote it down because <laughs> I was like, that is the best wording ever. <laughs> and it, I'm excited about it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash Women Who Code. 
Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.